Today is December 30th. Welcome to Native Calgarian. Oki, Naganago, Mekoche, Chestakom, Aki. My name is Red Thunder Woman. My married English name is Michelle Robinson, and I use she and her pronouns. Native Calgarian is being recorded on the lands of the Nisitapi, which is the Blackfoot Confederacy. The Blackfoot south of the imposed U.S. Canadian border are the Blackfeet. North of the border are the Siksika, Gunai, and Bagani of the Confederacy. These lands were signed uh, September 22nd, 1877 for Treaty 7, with signatures that include the Blackfoot Confederacy, the Wesley Chinookee Bears Paw Nations of the Stony, and the Dene from Sutina. I acknowledge all First Nation, Métis, Inuit, status and non-status across Turtle Island as the keepers of these lands. All non-Indigenous are treaty partners with the government signing on your behalf. I honor the Blackfoot as the elders and members have been so kind to me on my Red Road uh, journey. Elder Red Crane taught me how to pronounce my spirit name. I was born in Calgary or in Blackfoot, Mokinstis as Michelle Elliott, a very English name, which has afforded me privilege in an English colonial world. My mother is Northern Slavey Dene or Satu Dene, but my Indian Act and Post status card by the Canadian government says Yellow Knives Dene. My father is so Canadian, I'm a daughter of the Mayflower and a daughter of the American Revolution while having an Indian Act imposed status card. My Dene lineage roots me in the land of the Hare People, also called the Great Bear Lake People in Treaty 11. I'm a native to Turtle Island and my Dene nation is a visitor to this area of Klinchotine Indahe in my Dene language, meaning many horse town, named after the Calgary Stampede. Land acknowledgements are critical for creating a safer space for Indigenous, as well as honoring the host as the guest, as, as a guest, sorry, um, and acknowledging your role as a treaty partner. My humblest apologies to Blackfoot elders, language keepers, as I try to learn proper pronunciation. Any mistakes or misinterpretations will be on me. I encourage questions so that misunderstandings can be cleared up as soon as possible. I do not speak on behalf of all Indigenous. I just share what I know as I walk down the red road. My Patreon account is Native Calgarian, where you can pledge and support. Thank you to my previous donors for already showing your support. If you value listening or watching and can afford to give, thank you. To those who cannot afford to give, I'd love to hear from you at nativeyyc at gmail.com, where you can send in your comments or your questions. Also, giving a review helps whatever medium you're listening from. I have a YouTube channel where you can go and subscribe, and you can go to nativecalgarian.com for the latest podcast. The latest podcast. Uh, there's pin posts on social media that also have the latest podcasts. And if you want a land acknowledgement teaching from me, you can go to my website. So with that, I'm really excited to do kind of an end of year conversation with my friends. So I'll let you introduce yourself. Yeah. Hi, Michelle. Thanks so much for having me. I'm Jimena Gonzalez, and I'm a Calgary-based freelance writer and editor. Um, I write mostly for the Sprawl and the real estate section of the Globe and Mail and whatever, whoever takes my stories. Um, this uh, It's funny that we're doing an end of year review because it's like this was also my first year as a freelance writer. So it's, uh, it's kind of fun. And in terms of my background, um, I'm originally from, from Mexico. So it's like Mexico, then I came here. So I don't have much to say about that. Um, 
in Mexico, we're all mestizos, which means we are a mix of like Spanish with indigenous, with everything that came and Mexico didn't quite recognize and follow. So I'm not really, I don't really know what I am. And um, I think I think it's really interesting what you say about names and how your name has earned you some privilege. Because um, for me, it's been the opposite. Having a name that's spelled with an X, I feel like it's like, oh, so weird. And it's usually the first thing that people want to talk about. And it's a nice icebreaker, not that I mind it. But, um, but um, yeah, like it, like even in writing, people can tell that I'm different. Um, so yeah, names are important. It's huge. It's a huge conversation to have about what privileges having like a so-called English colonial name and I have an English colonial name and that has got me my foot in the door over and over again and um, I don't think people understand that in any capacity and I say that because uh, so my my stepmom her name is Rosvita Pyrich she's from Austria but the first thing she did was white coat her name to Rose Right. So and, and that's real. That's reality. And she never says her her actual last name because you have to say it with an accent and then people know you're not from here. And because mm -hmm. of discrimination, that's such a problem here. And uh, and then, you know, conversely, if my last name was indigenous sounding or my first name, uh, again, people and their anti-indigenous bias, they're so discriminatory. So like there's anti-immigrant there anti-indigenous um, like it, it's so obvious if your name isn't like you know a certain way and and then we literally named our daughter um with that in mind we said well what's a good name for getting a good job what's mm -hmm. a good name and and of course now <laughs> now that we're kind of decolonizing and having conversations about you know um your name being your name even I'm struggling, like, do I change my name to my spirit name? And, uh, and ironically, in our culture, our spirit name can change. So this one time only by the Canadian or by the Alberta government letting you change your name for free, you know, and it's unfortunate, but for Indigenous people, that means that name staying, like staying, as opposed to yeah. uh, evolving and, and having that evolution, like, it's so funny, I uh, just started a job and, and uh, I'm learning a lot about Service Alberta and it's it's incredible the amount of classifications they put a person into. So, you know, that idea of renaming yourself and then renaming all of your documents, it would be so overwhelming, um, I think, for most people to constantly do that. I mean, keeping your address sometimes up to date is, is enough. <laughs> Yeah, totally, totally. After I applied for uh, to immigrate here, like I got married and everything. And then I was like, oh, I considered changing my name. And I was, well, I can use my middle name because that's easy and take on my husband's last name, which is Robinson, by the way. <laughs> and, um, and then I was like, then I have to change everything many times because my immigration process was like ongoing. And I was like, you know what? No, I'm keeping everything as is. And if it's going to continue to be a problem to find a job, well, whatever, this is who I am. And <laughs> I prefer that than having to explain, oh, my name is this, but it's also this. And other names in the past 
last forever. It's like, no, I'm going to have the same name continue from now on nothing will change so well and ironically Mary Robinson <laughs> yeah oh that's so funny and ironically like my maiden name is Elliot so it's really colonial too um mm. but ironically you're always known by your maiden name anyway so the idea of taking on you know your husband's name nowadays like it now that I see all they care about on you know birth certificates or whatever is your maiden name anyway so it's just it's so stupid i don't even know why we change our last names now that i kind of see how the whole process works so anyway i was just being lazy before i didn't update most of my records just because i'm like well he's my last he's my husband i'll take his last name but legally um you know if it wasn't for that marriage certificate and it still has my maiden name on it so it's not like i've changed a lot it's just such a weird conversation but it's yeah. such a colonial conversation and i don't think people understand it like this was totally an imposed system to categorize people yeah yeah why should i why should my last name not be my last name anymore like if my husband owns me or something you know it's uh i mean I'm so glad that here it's okay. And like, it's, if you want to do it, you can do it and you don't have to. But uh, yeah. yeah, in Mexico, my parents are like, oh no, your last name is now Robinson. And I'm like, no, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, in some, like uh, some of the colonized countries, like they're still really like holding the colonizers Christian values and kind of imposing that. and. You know, and, and so like to bring it to 2021, um, I don't know, what was this, what was this year even like for you to see, you know, how Canada even functions? Like, what was this year even like for you? Loaded Whoa. question. <laughs> <laughs> so many, you know, I'm from Mexico, everything is worse there. So <laughs> that is kind of, helpful in a way to be like okay we're going down the wrong path but we are not going all the way down so i can kind of see what's ahead and it's bad but i i know that we're not there um so this year with all the dumpster fires just popping up everywhere it's like yeah it sounds familiar this is usually how it goes um especially here in this province i have a hard time keeping up with the local news provincial news that's it that's where it ends <laughs> isn't that like, incredible like it every day there's like three things that happen and i thought trump was bad yeah like i can't believe it i can't believe some of the things that come out of these ministers mouths and our yes. premier for that matter and now because of the pandemic um oh this is a fun fact my husband and i grew up with dina henshaw Oh yeah, I was going through your podcast episodes and I'm like, what? <laughs> wow. Yeah. yeah, no, they graduated in 93 together and uh, I graduated in 94. So like, cause they were just a, a year older than I. And uh, so we all grew up together cause at that time Sylvan Lake was super tiny. Um, you know, like it, I think when we moved there, it was like 2000 people. Now it's something ridiculous, but uh, yeah, back then there was only like 2000 people and there were still cabins, like people literally lived in cabins. And now they've done a lot of like demolishing all the cabins and putting up ridiculous houses. And so now it's become a place where um, 
you know, like houses are, are ridiculous. $200,000 houses are, you know, the norm. Um, and it wasn't like that when we first moved there, but I mean, I had a great childhood in the sense that I had, um, like we had the water slide there and it was like world renowned and, uh, I had season passes and I had the lake and it was kind of before too many people were there and it was too pop. Um, like now it's polluted and there's not mm. much fish. Like when we were there, there was like you could go fishing off the pier and catch fish but now there's just kind of uh, I don't know it's gross yeah. so yeah and but I, like it's too bad for the folks that are there now but I had good memories growing up there at the time and uh other than my parents divorcing that was shit but uh, what do you do <laughs> 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 what do you do with that uh I don't know so yeah, yeah. that was a little bit about us and um yeah anyway so we knew her and then when the pandemic happened and everybody thought she was like the hottest news ever and she, mm -hmm. even the clothes that she wore became some kind of fashion statement at one point in time so yeah and yeah. how things changed oh god now she's like really uh, well i don't think people think highly of her i don't think she's very popular anymore what are your thoughts about it yeah, well, I think after supporting the best summer ever, um, everything, like, I, I feel like we still had a little bit of hope that she was kind of holding up, holding the fort for all of us, you know, that she was just trying to hang in there for the well-being of Albertans. And then the best summer ever happened. It was like, you know what? I don't think that's why you are here. No. I don't know where you're here, but you don't care about us. Well, yeah. And like, even in the States, so like, as of right now, um, their main head fellow said, oh, no, we're just going to go to five days quarantining yes. now. And I mean, that goes against the science. Like the, the most basic lay person knows this now. I, I uh, like, it's obvious that all of the medical community who are in any sort of leadership have been bullied into this you know we have to conform with capitalism and mm -hmm. politicians hey or is that like is that just me like i hope not yeah i think that's the way it is right now it's like okay maybe a few people have to die but we have to feed the machine so go, get back to work and we'll see how it goes like you know what when you see all the anti-science um fake news being shared on social media and then you see governments doing stupid stuff then it's like you know what you are allowing them and you are giving them reason to believe in those things it's like yes i'm pro-science and i know that sometimes people discover things later and we need to readjust what our expectations and what we were doing however things like the Oh, yes. oh yeah cool. like the like really so people can get back to work sooner of course there's no other reason than that and it hurts it hurts because it's like you know our um like the children who can't get vaccinated like it's so obvious they're just being used as guinea pigs and not just for this phase but the phase before too and you know i i don't know you know how parents could just go along with this like i i don't understand it one tiny bit because they like this long-term COVID is a real issue and we don't really mm -hmm. have real science towards it, but it seems like we're all just okay with it now. And 
Um, so anyway, I, I'm kind of at that point in the pandemic where it's like, like we, we all sacrificed and now for what? Mm -hmm, exactly. For what? For the economy? Um, is that what we're doing it for? Like, I don't, I don't know. I like the, this last few months, I was kind of going out more often. Um, and like, in restaurants for the first time I was like well yes I don't want them to close down but then at the same time it's a little bit of like well yes I want you to stay open but I also don't want to get COVID I don't want your staff to get COVID I know I we were doing takeout like so. yeah lots of takeout to try to make up for that too but you know at the same time and it's back to that uh so we had like this major issue happen in our life where we thought, um, so my husband got laid off last year and, uh, um, you know, we were getting close to the end of the year of unemployment. So he was looking pretty desperately and uh, found a place in Lethbridge. It seemed like such a great uh, dream job. So we went down there and uh, what ended up happening was we were there for, um, we, he started in May and then November, they laid him off unexpectedly um, and lied to his face all the way up to that moment saying, oh, no, things are fine. Things are great. And he was like, oh, OK, things are OK. So um, we didn't see this coming in any capacity. And in this time, we were renovating our house to sell it. So we um, when he lost his job, thankfully, we had a bid that the uh, person who was uh, bidding chose not to go along with it and thank god they chose the same day he got laid off because that was the easy decision for us to come back to calgary so, so you come back to your home yeah we did That's but so with lots of debt right because yes. we were doing the renovations and um like we were paying uh like rent is ridiculous we were paying rent there while paying our mortgage here for months so while trying to move so then the wear and tear of our vehicle like it's just it was such a financial drain i can't even but thankfully i had um my viewers actually stepped up and gave me uh like i had people give me two dollars and you have enough people give you two dollars we had enough money to get a moving van thankfully because we, we had actually both hurt ourselves since may to november trying to move down there <laughs> because we're we're not young 20 year olds anymore so you know it was like we had to get a truck and we so we did we packed and packed and, and uh packed the truck um there was one nice day in there we rode the Har or darcy rode his harley back to calgary so it was parked in the garage before the big snow came so oh it just it it, it worked out for the best in the end and thank god i was able to get uh, a job right away uh so yeah yeah because ei still hasn't come through um there was a problem with the roe and apparently like employers can screw up our roes and and it's perfectly acceptable to screw up a family for months uh when it comes to unemployment so i needed this job so i took the job as quick as i could and i'm grateful for it because it just saved our butt this month i tell you and uh so that that was a pretty major event that happened on top of all of the I, I just don't even know how to say it, insanity of COVID-19. Like it was just such an incredible 
year for us. Like I'm so tired of it. I can't wait for it to be done. I can't wait to break ties completely with Lethbridge at this point. Holy. Yeah. Yeah. So that it's been pretty wild, a pretty wild ride, but my community, like, and, and when I say my community, I mean, I, I don't understand why people follow this podcast, but they do. And thankfully they, you know, or on social media, they follow me and, uh, you know, they all stepped up and I'm so grateful for that. And, um, the Indigenous community, there's a wonderful organization. So folks who are writing checks for year-end nonprofit stuff, you say um, Awutan and uh, Braiding the Sweetgrass, those were the organizations that really stepped up for us and, um, you know, gave us a Christmas, <laughs> really. We never even put up a tree. We were just too busy moving, um, yeah. you know, and we had a tree that we gave away, actually. And I gave it away because, um, I thought, well, we'll probably get a new one wherever we're at and, you know, make sure it fits wherever the entrance is. And yeah. we just never got there. And then when we came home, um, you know, there's a big piece of me that's like, well, I'm native and why am I celebrating a stupid Christian holiday anyway? Um, we open gifts, don't get me wrong. <laughs> you know, we still we still exchange some gifts. And uh, but what we've been doing now is uh, when we got here, we did a burning ceremony and burnt some of the stuff that we needed to let go. And then um, every full moon, I've, I've there's only been the two so far, but we'll uh, we have a sacred fire as well, and it's just important for us. I think we're gonna start focusing our life around the moon cycle as opposed to the christian cycle and uh just kind of go from there so anyway we're just trying to reevaluate what does christian christmas even mean um mm. to us so as we try to decolonize away from you know this imposed system <laughs> how about yeah, you that's... what is christmas like for you um it is the same than everyone's i was raised a catholic so christmas has always been a big deal and i like the tree yeah you just cut out when you said uh, the tree sorry go ahead oh sorry my i keep getting something yeah so i don't know um yeah, uh, yeah trees the food the gifts like i like all of that um i was gonna say and i forgot because of this computer thing um it's the worst isn't it you just get on a roll and then uh, you end up freezing for a second and i i swear this internet is i don't know if it's the internet i don't know if it's my own I computer know. i don't know because i have the thing um to see the internet it's actually pretty good it's going on i just don't yeah we cut out again darn yep see so we're, we're definitely having technical issues for those listening but you know what i think what's important is that we we got from her that she's catholic she enjoys the christian um christmas like everybody else and you know i, I mean that's just our normal society i mean i've done this for well, I'm about to turn 44. So every year we've had a huge Christmas. And this is the very first Christmas we didn't. And it was more thing is because we were still kind of licking our wounds and had our tail between our legs and trying to, you know, 
<laughs> just wonder what happened. <laughs> but I'm glad Christmas was good for for everybody. Um, you know, I, I want that for everybody. I want everyone to enjoy Christmas. I'm back. <laughs> yeah. So as a Catholic, what it was it like for you to hear all about these um, uh, the graves around the residential schools? Well, yeah, that's um, I mean, I won't say shocking because we all know the reputation reputation of the Catholic Church. So it's not like that, right? But it is very distressing that it that it was able to remain concealed for decades and unacceptable right and I don't know like I'm not a practicing Catholic so it's like I have my distance to it um but um yeah like I I don't know and I, I like do you really think the church can do anything to repair the damage like beyond money like can can the damage really be undone yeah so um i think so the damage was done really badly to me and not just by the catholic church this year um prior to the job loss in november the gaslighting from regular canadians on this um i, I is it broke my spirit broke my heart showed me no matter what I say, it will never matter. Um, like it will never, never matter. Because my ancestors, my elders, my every generation has told Canadians, it was written in the 1996 um, Royal Commission, it was written in the 94 calls to action. And it was just so obvious that even the so called allies hadn't read it because had they, they'd know, and they'd be mm. upset, and they weren't. And then when the bodies were refound, um, and the shock and horror, like I just felt so upset and gaslit by this community. I was just like, why are we even talking? Like, what, what do we have possibly in common that we've been telling you about these graves and you have totally dismissed our voices? Like I. I think I understood the gravity of that anti-Indigenous bias to its extreme because of mm -hmm. the lack of understanding from Canadians. And mm -hmm. um, so I was like, I'm, I'm still going to go into counseling um, just to try to unpack, because honestly, it's like, um, and I, I've said this for years where, you know, you get abused by a man and, you know, everyone goes, well, why'd you stay? Why'd you like gaslighter and gaslighter? And it takes years to heal from that but like literally it's canada that has been gas been abusive continues to be abusive gaslights us has this like whole cbc propaganda to gaslight us which all of the media does and everybody does it and everybody wonders why we're upset and um you know so i i yeah i don't even I don't even know if it's just the Catholic Church at this point. Mm -hmm. Like I have I, the police chief came out and said, you know, don't call us racist. Like he has never apologized or the Calgary police or the RCMP. The worst, actually, they've invaded the Wet'suwet'en for the third time now. 
Um, you know, they, they don't apologize for missing and murdered Indigenous women, um, Indian residential school, kicking homeless out on a regular basis. Like, how, how do we, like, I was there a few years ago at Pride, um, Calgary Pride, when the Prime Minister apologized to um, members of the LGBTQ, LGBTQ2 plus community who were um, kicked out of armed forces, out of the RCMP, because there was a whole campaign to get rid of any LGBTQ2 plus through any of the government. And uh, the Prime Minister apologized. And ironically, I don't think Canadians understand, like um, it's minus 20 and the mosque is open to the homeless population who are mainly mm -hmm. Indian residential school survivors or their descendants. And, um, you know, like literally all these so-called Christian churches have reconciliation committees and they're just like, well, these goddamn natives and they'll, <laughs> they're sure not opening their doors to the house or to the uh, houseless people, you know, mm -hmm. um, and, and have never offered, have never thought to offer, despite Indigenous saying in social media, saying prior to social media, like, you know, you should be doing more. And uh, so, like, it's really hard right now for me to say it's just the Catholic Church, like, it's just this total imposed system, and all of its residents who still don't know what treaty they're on, still don't know that they're treaty partners, still don't know the TRC calls to actions. Like, I don't even know how to, you know, say it's just them. But anyway, I think the idea of the Pope coming to Canada to apologize to the Indian residential school survivors, like that's one of the calls to action. So it really bothers me when people have opinions on that because it's like, your opinion doesn't matter. Thousands of survivors said, this is what we want and need. So, you know, like folks like me, I, I could care less about the Pope coming, but I know it matters to my, my grandma. I know it matters yeah. to my aunt. I know it matters to my uncle. I know it matters to my mom. So that's why like, it's not my, in, it's not my space to say, oh, they shouldn't come. It doesn't matter. It does matter to them. Otherwise it wouldn't be a call to action. So when I see settlers give their opinion, I pretty much want to take a baseball bat to them, but you know, obviously I can't. So it's just really hard. It's been a really hard year to see settler opinion on anything indigenous when it comes to um, not amplifying our voices ever, let alone now. So yeah, I don't yeah. know if the Catholic church, they've promised money they never delivered on. Um, like every single church that's in the city of Calgary right now should get scammed, every one of them, because there are dead indigenous people all across Canada because that it has always been perfectly acceptable to murder us and just discard us. So we're everywhere. And that's ironically, like Calgarians don't get that. They don't see it. They don't even open their doors. They, you, I hear the Calgary um, Homeless Foundation talking about the houseless population and you never hear the word indigenous reconciliation, Indian residential mm -hmm. school survivors. You never hear them say those types of words, right? They don't care about the calls to action. They don't care about the inquiry reports and the calls to justice. It's just, you know, rhetoric, really, when it comes down to it. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, <laughs> I'm interviewing you now, but um, I am. <laughs> 
like I'm new to this country, right? And obviously this, the kind of uh, information I've got, it is like the mainstream and I'm really not really well-informed on indigenous issues, probably a little bit more this year, but I'm still pretty, and like, it's embarrassing, but I've been really bad at keeping up um, with that sort of stuff. Um, but it, um, But it's worrying, you know, in, in a way that's it, worrying is probably not the right word. <laughs> this should be deleted. Um, <laughs> but um, like, in a way, it looks to me that anything that's not white doesn't exist and doesn't count. And I don't want to compare my experience to your experience because I'm sure it's like, I only get a tiny bit of racism, but still it's like, I feel gaslighted and I feel invisible and I feel all these things. And it's like, so basically unless you're white, you don't exist. Yes. Yep, that that pretty much sums it up. That's you nailed it right there. And even it's, there, like, um, like white women get uh, gaslit all the time, too. And um, I, I actually I, I'm beginning to wonder, I'm tr really trying to unpack that, too, because I was raised to be a Karen, really, but I don't have any power or influence the way a Karen does. So mm -hmm. Like it's it's really hard to understand, um, you know, why there's always this um, underlining assumption that we have any power at all. And even for women, like I, I, I don't, I see white women sometimes the most disempowered, unless they're going to attack an indigenous person, and then man, to you, then they're full Karen, like they're full out there, or black people or any other immigrant that they deem lesser than them, like. You see it and it's so awful, but it is, that's our society, right? And it's always been that way. Um, as far as I can remember, violence against women has always been okay in North America. So yeah, it's really hard. And I see gaslighting as a, as like the beginning form of violence against women, right? Where, yeah. um, or any community for that matter, right? Is, is just saying, oh no, you didn't remember it right. And trying to, um, assume the worst of the person instead of like listening to them and, and letting people have their experience fully so it's um yeah it's hard and then you know i've watched my stepmom and her family uh trying to deal with canada's um ways i mean honestly they're austrian so they're white but yet you know because they have an accent they weren't treated the same as if mm -hmm. they as if not and my mom and you would never she doesn't have an austrian accent whatsoever um so you wouldn't know actually and actually people have mistaken us to be blood even which is kind of funny but uh anyway so i've, I've seen the immigrant experience through that those eyes and then uh, one of my aunties is uh from hong kong and she married uh, one of my dene uncles um and so my cousins they look like if you were to say they look chinese you'd say yep oh they look uh, native yep they look like both right like they, there's yeah. no no question there so um you know it, it's been interesting kind of seeing uh racism through everybody else's eyes too um i think the black lives matter movement really 
um, helped me unpack a lot of my anti-blackness. Because when you're raised in a white supremacist uh, society, you are inherently are raised with, um, you know, sexism, degrading uh, anti-blackness, degrading um, anti-immigrant sentiment. Like you see natives say anti-immigrant um, sentiments all the time, even. And it's frustrating because like, you know, they're just adding to the racism. But then mm -hmm. I get lots of brown people say really racist things to me too, because, you know, they were colonized, they feel empowered, um, they don't know. So ignorance makes them proud to be arrogant and, and ignorant at times. So like it, it's hard, it's all around and all it, it's all rooted in white supremacy and racism at the end of the day and us taking on those uh, forms, so yeah yeah that's very interesting because in mexico like all all the time if you talk to any mexican they're gonna be like in mexico there's no racism only classism and it's like i've been here for 10 years i've experienced it and i'm like we are racist i've been racist i've said really awful things that i should have never and if when i did someone should have slapped me in the face mm -hmm. because it wasn't right and now i know but it's like why Sometimes I feel like, why did nobody told me? That's yeah. kind of what, how I felt also with the Black Lives Matter matters thing. Like I was like, nobody told me, and until I experienced it, or then it's like, oh yes, of course that's wrong. But I felt like somebody needed to actually do something to me, and and like, like I can see it from both sides right it's like why do i have to explain to you that you just what you just did is racist like i don't want to do that but i'm also like but how else will you know because i didn't know um so it's um yeah oh it's i can really tell you like I, I so i grew up in sylvan lake and i didn't recognize how much um anti and how anti-semitic my own family was um and my own community and it was actually um a friend that i went to school with that said you recognize that that's a really like you shouldn't say that that's racist and it was uh doing someone down like that was i i used to say that and um it was thankfully my um friend who said that's really wrong you know and unpacked that we unpacked mm -hmm. it right then and there and i was really grateful for that that was probably the first time I remember somebody calling me out on my racism. And I'm really grateful for that moment, frankly. And of course, later when you're unpacking, you know, how normalized it was to have crosses burning down the street in Caroline and having someone like this, we had a teacher in central Alberta that used to uh, teach Holocaust denialism, actually. Oh my God. Yeah, no. <laughs> That, that was here, Kistra, a lot of folks might might know that. Um, one of the reasons why I, I follow Warren Kinsella's work is because he he wrote about that. Um, it was called The Web of Hate. I have it somewhere, this book. And it's still one of my favorite books because I think a lot of people don't understand how much um, anti-Semitism was in central Alberta at the time I was growing up in it. And ironically, um, one of my grandpas actually fought Nazis and got a Purple Heart for it, but yet here my own family says anti-Semitic crap in my own my own circles, right? So, thankfully, a friend called me out on that. Uh, so so funny how that all works out. But yeah, I had to unpack a lot of it, despite um, you know uh, 
NWA came out at the time that I was listening to music and you know we all knew saying the n-word was wrong so we were like well why do they have it in their name that doesn't make any sense and that was never really explained to me you know uh Rodney King getting beaten like um in, in my circles it was so I wonder what he really did and it's mm. like you know so racism was was has always been a gaslighting thing for me and you know, growing up um, confused about how native am I, like I was constantly, um, you know, told by some people to be proud of who I was, but yet from others not to be proud of who I was. And society told me very clearly not to be proud to be native. So, you know, I, I was, I had a lot of internalized shame and hate. So I'm sure I was the worst racist there was for the longest time, actually, ironically yeah 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 it's, so i mean and it's so it's not okay but it's okay to recognize it you know better than no i'm like super progressive and i will have never done anything racist like no we all have and i said the n-word in front of my one of my favorite friends actually and it just came out and i was literally saying you never say the n-word and then i said it i couldn't believe it and it so that happened this year. It literally happened this year. So. Oh my God, Michelle. <laughs> I know, I know. It was so embarrassing, but it happened. So just to add to your point, though, that, you know, we all do it. And we all have to unlearn it and we have to be very conscious of it. And, uh, and if it's hard for me, I do understand mm. it being hard for other people. But at the yeah. same time, I do wish that people listened when we said yes. this is problematic, you know. Exactly. Instead of explaining back why it's not problematic, because <laughs> it's usually how it goes. Oh, no, no, it was not racist. I just said that because of it. It's like, I'm telling you. Actually, this is literally a conversation I have all the time with people when, I, when they say they're native Calgarians. I'll always see, because I, I, I know what they mean. I know what they're trying to say, but I always kind of poke fun at them because I'm an ass. And I'm like, so what kind of native are you? And then they're like, oh no, let me explain my racism to you. And it's like, yeah, I know what you're trying to say, but I'm trying to point out that, you know, it's problematic for you to use the term native, native yeah. whatever. Oh, I'm a native this, native that. Are you sure? You got that Indian Act and post status card? You sure you want to use that term? <laughs> yeah. 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 I have lots of people prior to me really walking down the red road say really racist, really, really, really racist things against natives. And I just pull out my status card and then uh then they'd like apologize and trip over themselves apologizing. But the fact that they felt empowered enough to say it to me. Yes, I bet you get some of that, you know, they think you're one of them and it's like, nope. Yeah, no, but it, it, it is kind of like, you know, I don't have a lot of moments where I get to watch people eat it. So <laughs> anyway, anyway, back to 2021. Um, right. What are some things you're looking forward to in 2022? <sighs> Because I, I, I don't want to say the words, oh, I can't get much worse, because as soon as you say that, it does. So I don't want to say yes. those words. Um, but like, is there anything that happened in 2021 that you're like, this will not happen in 2022, and I can't wait for this not to happen? Wow. <laughs> I can't wait for another wave not to happen once we're done this wave of COVID. Like, seriously, I hope this is the last one. 
right um, how many damn waves do we have to have yes like it is just difficult like let alone the economy and all the crap capitalistic stuff but just the social connection you know i would love to be doing this in person and all the people I interviewed this year, like interesting people that I would have loved to be face to face and I could say hi to them in the street if I saw them. But instead it's like, oh yeah, I met all these cool people, but I will not recognize them if I see them. <laughs> right? And it's, it's not the same way. This is not face to face. I know. I have so badly wanted to meet you face to face. Um, that Jeremy fellow, I actually, you know, I feel like me and him don't mesh right on Twitter, but he's like, I can read his writing. He's such a great writer. So I'd love to uh, meet him in person one day and hopefully we can sort things out. But yeah, just there's so many cool people I want to meet uh, in real life. Uh, I'm really grateful. I know Taylor McNally in real life. I'm really, really lucky to have gotten to know her. Um, Adora, like I know her in real life. So that's been nice. But, you know, there's a few people I just want to see in real life and I can't. Um, my friend Saima, I feel like we used to always go to all these events together and I just miss her. I just miss being around her. Uh, my friend Chantel, I just miss them. So I got to sneeze. And that's the thing. So this week is this like wave of COVID. And every time I cough, every time I sneeze, I'm like, oh my God, please don't let me be asymptomatic. Don't let this be the one symptom I have. Yes. So, oh, and now, so apparently we can go get these at home kits. Have you gotten one yet? I did. Yeah. But I, my husband got his right away because he just happened to be by a pharmacy when it was opening and he just went in but we had to shop around to find mine uh it's been yeah like we did our test before because we went to jasper with uh my husband's parents that's where they live and uh, yeah they're old so we had to take do our little tests to make sure we are we're not bringing the plague oh. over it's but, the uh, worst isn't it like i would never i i don't know if i could live with myself if i yeah knew I had COVID and, um, or not even that I knew, like if, if I had even COVID. Even if I'll, you didn't know. <laughs> no, but like, if you didn't know and you spread yeah. it, like, I think, yeah. I just don't know if I could live with myself. I'd feel so bad. Yeah. Um, I, so obviously I don't understand these anti-maskers and anti-vaxxers at all. Um, ironically, because we delayed vaccines for my daughter. We did. Mm -hmm. because I was like I don't know she's only like this big I don't want to put that much in her and then when she got older and she could like articulate how she was feeling of course I feel way different about it but right. at the time um so she she was exposed to chicken pox and uh she was five and and we hadn't exposed her so that she wouldn't have to get that vaccine um you know, so ironically, I do understand anti-vaxxers to a certain point, just not these mm -hmm. types. Like this type, I, like there's a, a responsibility. Um, when Samantha was exposed to chicken pox, I kept her home for the full 14 mm -hmm. days. And it was like the day before she showed the pox, people were like, are you sure she just can't go back to school? I'm like, no, you gotta wait like two more days and then we'll we'll send her if she's fine. But um, note that she broke out and uh, had the full out chicken pox symptoms, fever. She felt awful. She hated it. Don't oh. blame her one tiny bit. Um, 
but at least it's done. It's over with, right? And uh, my stepmom, yes. she never got the chicken pox until one of my brothers did. And then she was sicker than a freaking dog. And I remember that. So she would have been in her 30s at the time. And she said it was the worst thing ever. So she totally supported me giving Samantha her chicken pox at the like age of five, right? Yes. <laughs> Yeah, better get it over with when they're kids. Right, right. Yeah. But with this COVID, like we don't know um, much about it. We don't know the long-term effects. Now we know after two years, like it's it's not fun. So obviously yeah. like uh, the, the soon as I could get vaccines, I did. Um, I have all three. My daughter has two. Um, I don't know when she'll be eligible for three. So anyway, um, my husband, he has his two as well. So I don't think he's eligible for his third yet. I don't know yet. So anyway, yeah. So, you know, this, this was a vaccine that we were definitely down for getting. And uh, yeah, I don't know. I I wish I understood these anti-vaxxers enough to, it just seems like the biggest amount of white privilege I've ever seen on full display that's what it that's what it is to me yes yes totally that's the one thing that is like yeah obviously you've never experienced any tiny bit of challenge in your life because the moment someone tells you you have to wear a mask and you have to put in get this vaccine it's oppression it's like obviously you have never experienced anything that takes you out of your comfortable uh sheltered area because hey it's also a bunch of white people like what a coincidence and almost all men like most women don't have full access to medical care to this day like even the even the whitest of the whitest women still don't have access to all the health care so whereas with men like jesus viagra is everywhere they get to have whatever they want yes so yeah I still have to go get those home tests and I I want to get them just because um well yeah, first, it's, it's it's an experience yeah, <laughs> yeah it's an experience and so I this job that I have now I'm like it's an essential service so you're mm-hmm. with people all the time and uh, despite wearing a mask all the time and trying to wash my hands as much as I possibly can I mean I'm still riding transit and again you know possibly exposed a lot more than average joe i would think so i think it's really important i try to find some of those tests and have them at home and yeah um yeah go from there so so you're you said you're super new here what do you think of our weather super new like a 10 years Um, okay yeah it's not that new but i'm still new there's a lot of stuff that i've had to learn um the weather is not the worst (laughs) I kind of like the cold and then I don't know it doesn't last forever so I don't know did you become much of a skier or maybe a snowboarder no no I'm too old for that I'm scared of breaking my bones (laughs) yeah no that's fair I I'm I'm still not into it even skating I don't like skating um not my thing so it's kind of funny because uh like you have all of these people who love winter sports and i'm just like no no i i like to read and watch star wars and um make fun of politicians now no i'd I'd prefer not to do that i like hot tubs and hot springs yeah totally 
um but yeah like winter sports i think like you either start when you're a kid and you can fall and not break anything um like even like young as a teenager or something but not when you're in your 30s <laughs> <laughs> that's funny well you, you would have been here pretty new when the flood happened what was that yes like that was yeah 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 that was just three years in so like I'm a full Calgarian now because I've experienced all these things of like the what was it the snow Magadan when it snowed in September the flood like I've been here for all the things all the forest fire fires I've been here like yeah but, what did you think of uh, Stampede oh I went there twice um it's a, it's a cultural experience <laughs> oh it's something it's something no i i always wonder what people outside of alberta think of us with our uh, stampede but i think folks don't understand like so i worked downtown from what 90 the late 90s until i had my daughter and uh like people don't understand like you go to you go to work at like 6 30 so that you can watch the stampede parade and have a parking spot and uh, at the time there was something called frack juice and it was frack master they had this big um stampede party and they give you like champagne inside your orange juice this is how you literally started the day at like seven in the morning and um and then you just kept partying and part and you were expected to be at these events too actually because yeah all the oil industry like they're either texas or albertan and you know like it all it was all part and parcel of the whole deal still is i don't know why i'm speaking in past tense probably because i don't do it anymore but yes. other people still do it <laughs> but at the time you don't know right and um ironically you know watching my mom being beaten you know by my by my dad and and them fist fighting all the time it's like, you know, this is like literally my family, the microscopic part of this whole missing and murdered indigenous women issue of like, you know, white violence against indigenous people and that bigger conversation and how it's all integrated in the exploitation of the land, which is all Calgary. Like we do it internationally, mm -hmm. nationally and locally, <laughs> you know, like it, it all, it all comes from here. And ironically, Calgarians being so blissfully unaware and me being that blissfully unaware person for at least 10 years of uh, my work, you know, drafting wells and pipelines, I had no idea. Yeah, yeah, it is very interesting because early, like my first stampede, it was like the whole vibe of the city changes. And it's like, we're all in this together. Everybody's dressed up and everybody's friendly. Everybody's drunk. And then as every year <laughs> time went on i realized so during stampede someone passed out drunk on a bench on stephen avenue it's okay as long as you're white as long as you're white and you got a cowboy hat and boots on exactly and, and then it's fine but if you're a exactly. native anytime it's not okay you know yes and, and it's it's funny you should say that because like like we're just talking about right now, right now it's so cold. The mosque is opening there, the mosque for anyone houseless, but not any of the Christian churches, you know? Yeah. So like it, that white supremacy is so painfully clear, except to white people, they just don't see it. Yeah. yeah. And don't get me started with that because I have a thing 
with the city. Like they're doing this little fire pits because vibrant neighborhoods and stuff. But when people, when advocates were asking for warming spaces for the unhoused, oh no, 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 that's too big of a deal. Oh, but I can get a fire pit in the park down here because that's where that's for the right kind of people and that, they serve that this is why i wanted you on because there's nothing more that pisses me off than drinking in the park with an alcoholic drink as long as you're white yep. because if a native shows up in a park with a beer we're not just we're going to get stomped by the cops everyone's going to blame us for it but as long as Giancarlo and Cara and his crew do it then it's fine then it's totally mm -hmm. cool and it's like that's not okay that is a huge double standard that is unacceptable and yet people don't see it you know and, yeah. and i i knew i was wasting my breath on on a lot of that right there because it, it was like how can you not see this how can you not see the discrepancy right now mm -hmm. um i have a really hard time I, i've been taking public transit all month and watching the um public uh like whether it's the transit police or whether it's the um police mm -hmm. both just go after the houseless on yeah. marlboro uh train station and the rundle and everybody's totally cool with it in fact i'm sure they were the ones who called and i maybe they did it, it's so hard it's so yeah. hard because it's like here are residential school survivors right here we so-called reconciliation time and you guys are boot stomping and killing people like I can say the names like Robin Fiddler, uh, Sonny Crazy Bull. Like these people are literally dead thanks to the men and with guns and everybody's cool with it. And I, I cannot wrap my brain around it. And we're supposedly all about reconciliation and, mm -hmm. and the MMIW inquiry. And we're not even close my counselor uh blocked me on twitter so i can't even have this conversation with him i'm literally the co-chair for this city on mmiw yeah. I, it's incredible i it's like if there was ever a time i felt more gaslit it's right now and who's I can't, your counselor uh uh chabot oh yeah i like an idiot i actually put his sign up when he was running for mayor on my lawn beside nenshi because I wanted to support them. And now he's blocked me on Twitter. So yeah, it's just, it's such bull crap. You try so hard to build these relationships with people who don't really want to listen to you. And then the moment they figure it's convenient, they block you. And it's like, he doesn't have a clue how hard it was for me to even try to have this relationship with him and put, you know, kind of put to the side some of his comments because of ignorance, you know, mm -hmm. and then and then him do that. Like he has no concept of it. So it's just like, ugh. Yeah. And it's not just him, like Giancarlo, like so many others I tried to have these relationships with. And they just I I'll never forget one of his staffers tweeted out on Canada Day. Um, it's really too bad if you can't enjoy today. And I was like, and he she didn't say it at me. She was just kind of saying it generally. Mm -hmm. And I was like, you you're spitting on every indigenous person with this comment and you don't even know it because of your arrogance right and uh so i'll never forget that um and this was of course after the discovery of all of the uh well mm -hmm. the, the rediscovery like i i don't like that term discovery because 
we've always known they were there. We've always told Canada they were there. And it was a discovery to Canadians who mm -hmm. purposely excluded our voices, who purposely wouldn't listen to us, right? So yeah, ah, so hard. So yeah, it's, it's been a really hard year because of this, yeah. this conversation. And yet I don't think to average Canadians, they get it at all, so yeah. Yeah, it's, it's something I've been trying to like understand because i wrote about public housing and nobody seems to care about public housing and it's like okay so there's people we don't care about like and by we i mean like the society at large it's like there's these things that for some reason don't get to us so on house people we don't care indigenous people we don't care overdoses like we care but we don't you know it's like oh yeah oh yeah that's too bad mm, sad times or we're going to wear an orange shirt uh, or something to commemorate but it's like but you don't really care i know you don't care right you know and not putting together the importance of it like just not getting it and yes so a big thing that happened was after you know the CBE was shamed into it, they finally changed the Langevin name. But mm. out of principle, they just wouldn't do it because they were like, "You fucking native, and you're not gonna tell us to change this name." It was just they were so staunch about it. At one point in time, I was trying to engage with them, and literally one of the trustees said, "Well, this is a problem that's been ongoing and will continue for generations." So it was like she literally spit in my face with the whole. Um, you know, I don't really care that your kid's not in our schools. We're not going to do anything about it. Yeah. Like that is just so normalized for her to say to an indigenous mother. And it's on record, like it's on video even that she mm -hmm. said this. And everybody's like, totally, no, it was totally fine. It's like, oh, okay, well, as long as you've normalized this kind of racism um, as well. Cool, cool beans. So that was kind of good that they finally did it. Um, they just took the sandstone sign off. I was gonna go check it out when uh, I had some free time, maybe tomorrow I will, um, mm -hmm. or maybe, I don't know. I thought maybe I could do it sooner, but I just can't. I don't have the time and energy like I yeah. used to um, when, you, when you're working full time now. So yeah, it's too but bad. Do you think that, I mean, because it is somewhat symbolic, like, oh yeah, we remove this, but then it's like, all done and you move on oh you know honestly like I feel like they tweet they patted themselves on the back yes. with a tweet and i honestly i just felt like punching them all in the face like you didn't do this you fought us every step of the way you spit mm -hmm. on us every step of the way and now you're congratulating yourself for doing this fuck yeah. you like it, it's such and it's not just that it's everything it's mm -hmm. you know the city of Calgary, oh, we're so proud of our reconciliation, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, you literally are like kicking indigenous people in the face every day, authorized, shooting them and killing them with your patch on their shoulder. And and you, you have the audacity, you've never apologized for half of these things that you do today, let alone yesterday, let alone months ago. And yet, you know, you're patting yourself on your on the back for your so-called reconciliation. Like I I don't know how to swear this away. Um, yeah. It's so insulting. That's why I got to go into counseling because I can't even, I, can't, I don't, I honestly don't know 
even the so-called best allies, if I seen them today, if I could even look them in the face. Um, I remember giving a speech in the summer and it was, we were talking about racism and I, I can't hear another politician say anything about racism because I know they're full of shit. They're so mm -hmm. full of shit. Mm -hmm. Like I can give you an example after example after example of leaders who need anti-racism training by them saying they don't need anti-racism training. Like they don't even hear themselves be racist with it. So I don't know, or anti-Indigenous bias, whatever the ism is for the day, like, you know, um, homophobia, transphobia, that's a big one. Um, you know, with this conversion therapy, the things that politicians felt in emblazoned to say empowered to say i guess yeah like I, I i couldn't like you're so bad at this um senators about their with their anti-indigenous bias like so painful so clear and they don't see it and their party doesn't see it usually almost always party politics right so mm -hmm. so incredible yep so yeah. it's kind of yeah we're at where i'm at i don't know what i'm going to look forward to next year um because even if the pope comes it'll just be stupid canadians saying stupid things making it 10 times worse throwing a million pounds of salt on the wound so like i i just don't even know how to look forward to anything anymore that's why i need counseling because i can't even look forward. Yes. <laughs> it's like what's the next star wars thing that i'll be looking forward to <laughs> i haven't seen the uh the book of boba fett yet but i did all my homework i watched uh Attack of the uh, the Clones. I watched Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi, so I'm ready to watch it. But I have to wait for my family until they're all ready too. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the only thing yeah. I look forward to is next Star Wars stuff. Um, the oh, even the Ghostbusters. I was so excited for that. I was excited for it in yeah. May when it was supposed to be released, but then the stupid pandemic hit. So then they put it off and then the day before it was supposed to open was the day my husband lost his job so I couldn't even oh. enjoy it. Yeah, I know. I finally yeah. went to see it. I loved it. I would watch it a billion times in the theater if I could afford it and if I could, you know, put up with COVID, but I can't. Yes. So <laughs> I haven't seen the new Matrix either. That's the only thing I look forward to now is entertainment because I, I know yeah. I won't see the excitement I need from my politicians, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking forward to the UCP leadership review. I'm sure that's going to be fun in a not more, more of a sick way. <laughs> oh my God. You know, um, on TikTok, Josh Groban, I think that's his name. I can't remember. Anyway, he, he's always clowning. And um, Trent Daly, he's really good on TikTok. Like, there's a few folks that make fun of Alberta politics, but I'm like, oh, thank God for this. Um, Taylor McNally's tweets, she's like the only person I swear that gets what I'm saying about racism. So I really love her tweets. Um, yeah, if it wasn't for other folks, kind of making fun of politics. I just don't know if I could put up with it anymore because I'm so done, yeah. holy, so done with it. Yes, who knows? Let's take the irony. <laughs> and that's the only thing we can get from it and laugh. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's not good um, otherwise. Yeah. I mean, uh, anywhere, like really, I think this is a very strange time to be alive anywhere um so
so yeah i don't know it's like a movie let's see how it ends right we're gonna have to redo all of the zombie movies now because now we have to make room for these anti-maskers and these yeah. you know folks of privilege who think they're for freedom when they've never stood for anything freedom ever you know yeah. like we're gonna have to redo all the zombie movies now i never thought they were that wrong but they are <laughs> oh and and all the government failures as opposed to like you know i remember the one with matt damon where it's like the military actually did good and was helping people and it's like no no well let's back well, that that's not what real life is going to be like i promise you <laughs> yeah all the movies where the americans save the world that's not how it happens no nope. <laughs> so yeah I, I i don't know what to look forward to in 2022 i hope god i can't wait for one day when i can go back to banff uh national park and go into the hot springs again i can't wait yes. for that day yeah. I, uh, I know that they recently opened, but I haven't checked it since this new um, wave. Um, but I really want to go there. We used to do that almost every week. We'd probably go at least twice a month. And that was like our uh, self-care kind of thing that we did. Mm -hmm. But we haven't done it since um, COVID started. So yeah. that's something I missed that I cannot wait to do again. And I'm yeah. sure nobody else cares, but that's kind of one of those things I'd love to do. Um, what are some other things? Oh, today's like a really important day. Everybody asked me, how's your daughter? So Samantha update everybody. Samantha has, as of today, passed her class seven license. So now we have to uh, contact our insurance company and let them know we're going to have a brand new beginner driver. <laughs> nice. Coming to an empty parking lot near you. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, I don't want to scare her, but I failed my uh, road test twice. I think so. But it's because I'm an experienced driver. That's why I can't pass. <laughs> you know, um, I'm going to put her in. So I took AMA uh, driver training. So I'm mm. going to do that for her because yeah. uh, at the end of it, they usually like if you time it so that at the end she's 16, then she can use that same instructor to get her test. Get test. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, and I'm, I've never met anybody who's taken the training and then not passed it. So and then mm -hmm. it's also better for your insurance if you do the training so that that's part of it, too. Um, yeah. Why I would do it is that it's it's just better that way. And you know, as well meaning as we are as parents, we're never as good as an actual driving instructor. <laughs> yes, I, no, yeah. never as good. So, so that's another reason so that she can learn bad habits from them instead of me. So <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, and one is more receptive to others than our own parents. My parents taught me, I taught my sisters. And uh, because the after me, it was like, no, we're done with teaching people how to drive so I had to teach my sisters yeah no now I, I can't pass my own test it's <laughs> <laughs> so funny hey how that works out my god mm. you know I was one of the first people to get a, a license of female in my family because um you know I my family is old school and they're like only men drive right so yeah no I I've been driving my husband was like wow what no 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 and he like literally gave me the book 
and we drove from Sylvan Lake to Red Dairy. He's like, you got 20 minutes to study this book. And that's how I got my learners. <laughs> so Good. funny. That's how that works. Anyway, I really appreciate you being on my show, talking about, you know, ridiculousness of Calgary from your point of view. Um, I've read parts of your blog. I love your blog. So I'm, I'm going to put a link in that in in this as we share it because I want people to be paying attention to what you're doing. I love the Sprawl, one of my favorite uh, news agencies. So obviously, if you ever have any great articles, I try to retweet those too because I think you know independent media is the only kind of way we're going to have any more clarity. Um, I'm sure you know the CBC executives are all um, conservative appointed executives, so. You know, to me, I think the CBC is super conservative. And ironically, out here in Calgary, everybody's like, those damn liberal CBC ears. And I'm like, oh my God. Oh, no. If you're Indigenous, and like to me, I hear the racism coming mm -hmm. from them all the time. And it's like, does not anybody else hear this? Oh no. Oh, you're all white people that listen to this, not just, <laughs> of course not. <laughs> I guess so. But yeah, yeah. I, I agree. Oh, yeah, yeah. So yeah. I listen to CBC um, radio religiously, especially in the mornings, though. So, yeah. you know, I could quit listening, but I can't. Just can't yeah. break it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway. So anyway. it is good, but yeah, I, I agree with, with you. It's hard. Well, I have this exit, I'll say, and you're more than welcome to chime in because you know, you must have experiences that you might want to, uh, hey, that reminds me. So don't hesitate to chime in as I say these, uh, these resources coming up. Um, and thanks again for being on my show. I so appreciate it. Yeah, thanks so much for having me, Michelle. This was, uh, this was fun. Oh, I'm glad. That's the point is that we should be having fun and doing some healing with it. So I'm so yeah. glad. Good. Um, I'm proud that this podcast has given solutions, cultural safety training, cultural first aid, and all of them to create a safer space for Indigenous people of color, those with a disability, and LGBTQ2 to speak. I want to say thank you to author Cheryl Ward, Chelsea Branch, and Alicia Fritkin for putting together this great part about uh, what is in, uh, Indigenous cultural safety and why I should care about it. You can find it at heretohelp.bc.ca. And if you were to Google Indigenous cultural safety, you'd actually find way more resources than when I first started saying these on my podcast. Their work, those cultural action tools, I've said over hundreds of times in my podcast. So please support Indigenous work like that as part of your reconciliation work and settler understandings. I'm just lucky enough to highlight them and repeat them here. Internalized racism or lateral violence is another form of violence Indigenous and marginalized folks experienced by the structure of racism. I think we talked a lot about that today. I hope people are hearing it. Um, RacialEquityTools.org has lots of um, resources and including one on internalized racism by Donna Bevins, which I highly recommend. Do's and Don'ts for Bystander Intervention by Americans Friends Service Committee. That's a really great resource if you see um, some sort of um, oppression dynamics happening on like the C train, something like that. Also, actandracism.ca is a really great resource here in Alberta. You can text them at 587-507-3838. Indigenous have been talking about our issues, sharing our traumas in reports, commissions, and public hearings, just so it can be regularly disregarded. Oh yeah, that was another point that really pissed me off, was hearing uh, the counselors talk about 
those anti-racism uh, conversations that happen at city council, which I refuse to participate in, um, and being like, oh my God, there's racism in the city. And it's like, thanks for fucking not listening to me for years. Thank you. Yeah. So anyway, honor our words, honor the treaties, listen to politicians and their policies and platforms. If they don't recognize the marginalized in their budget with gender equity plus, if they're cutting violence prevention programs uh, and services, indigenous education, uterus health choices, uh, harm reduction, um, safe consumption sites, gay straight alliances, lack of human rights for migrants, immigrants, folks with disabilities, know that your vote to that party or that person is going to directly negatively impact marginalized people, demand that they implement the Truth and Reconciliation Commission calls to actions, the recommendations of the Royal Commission on Aboriginal Peoples, multiple reports about child welfare reform, violence prevention programs, and now 231 calls to justice from the National Inquiry on Missing and Murdered Indigenous Women. Denying these reports is a form of abuse called gaslighting. Our people are experiencing extreme racism in the educational justice and health institutions with multiple reports that say the same things. Demand change from election platforms and politicians if they don't understand colonialism, racism, privilege, sexism, they have zero business running, should be understood by all politicians, parties, community organizations, sports clubs. Um, a great article I said out loud was Truth Before Truth, how non-Indigenous Canadians become allies. There's so many resources now on how to be a good ally as a Canadian to Indigenous people. If you're experiencing emotional distress after hearing anything we talked about today and want to talk, call the First Nation and Inuit Hope for Wellness Helpline at 1-855-242-3310. It's open 24 hours, seven days a week. You can also, they have a text option on their website, hopeforwellness.ca. If more related to missing and murdered Indigenous women, girls, and two-spirit, you can call 844-413-6649. Again, 24-7 uh, crisis line for support requiring assistance related to missing and murdered Indigenous women and girls. Um, for non-Indigenous, there are distress lines in your area, usually a functioning 211, or you can call 833-456-4566. Uh, the 60 Scoop Indigenous Society of Alberta, you can find at ssisa.ca, and you can look for hashtag survivor driven. Um, I see Adam North again, always doing good work out there. Really grateful for that. If you see or experience racism, report it to Act to End Racism or text at 587-507-3838. If you see or experience racism, don't hesitate to reach out. Uh, the Trevor Project also has tons of resources for LGBTQ uh, youth as well as trans um, uh, support line. So you can go check them out at lifevoice.ca slash crisis supports. And of course, Kids Help Phone 1-800-668-6868. I use that as a child, so I encourage others. Um, violence is my everyday reality. Every Indigenous generation faced it. That's why I started this podcast to speak freely without interruption, without tone police, without leadership shaming, without gaslighting questions, as many people don't want to hear an Indigenous opinion, but sure want to tell us theirs, even though it's rooted in ignorance. Um, microaggressions, people dealing with internalized racism, those who are gatekeepers, those who survive off the status quo, you know, internal and external racism is an everyday reality. I want to say thank you to my ancestors, my granny, my mom of what strength looks like through your example. 
I want to thank my dad for teaching me to be strong and blunt, my stepmom for showing me what a proud culture is through her Austrian family and roots, and for teaching me to be a proud Calgarian. It's through her I'm a second generation. Uh, I want to say thank you to my husband Darcy for producing and editing the show. On top of being my husband, my childhood friend, father of our child, and support down my journey of the Red Road, he has witnessed decades of racism and sexism. To our child, who we are blessed to learn from daily, we are honored you chose us. You give me daily accountability to be a better and stronger person. I hope my daughter and my family will be proud in the future of us trying to discuss these present day uh, issues in a way that they'll understand. My native uh, Calgarian Patriot account, boy, I tell you, saved my butt this year. I cannot thank you all enough. Um, that's where you can pledge and support. Uh, thank you everyone for showing your support. If you value listening or watching and you can afford to give, thank you. For those who cannot afford to give, I'd love to hear from you at nativeyyc at gmail.com or you can send your comments or your questions. And for folks who e-transfer, that's usually the best way. Um, Password Calgary. Um, I now have a YouTube channel where you can go and subscribe. You can go to nativecalgarian.com as well and go to my pin posts on social media. And lastly, I want to give side eye to those Calgary rabbits. You're lucky I'm not tradish. And my beautiful cousin responded, or you'd be in my dish. <laughs> Thanks for listening and all the best to you all for 2022. And I, I pray that everybody has a safe holiday as well. Thank you for listening. And thanks for being my guest.